Hello, my name is Teddy Hill. I'm a social work student at Tarleton State University, and this podcast is going to be called Inadequacies in Nursing Home Care. It's going to cover everything pertaining to nursing, the nursing home and its residents, and it'll explore any deficits or issues within the nursing home care system. All right, so as I mentioned, this um, podcast is going to discuss the inadequacies in nursing home care. So just a little backstory regarding nursing home care. It came a long way. Um, in 1987, the Nursing Home Reform Act was established, and this piece of legislator was to promote mental, physical, and psychosocial well-being. One of the key components of this act includes the Resident Bill of Rights. And the Resident Bill of Rights, it's a set of standards that the nursing home has to adhere to in order to receive funding from the state. So if that facility is state funded, they have to adhere to all these. And these consist of the right to live in a caring environment free um, from abuse, mistreatment, and neglect, the right to live without the fear of enduring physical restraint, the right to privacy, so we have like HIPAA practices in there, which is in any type of healthcare setting. The right to receive personal care that accommodates physical, medical, emotional, and social needs. The right to social to a social contact, interaction with fellow residents and family members. The right to be treated with dignity. The right to exercise self-determination. And I like these two components because these are really big things in the field of social work. You think... Um, Dignity of worth of the person that's in the, the ethical principles, as well as, you know, the right to exercise self-determination. You know, we are, as social workers, we have to, you know, support our clients and, you know, allow them to make their own choices. So I like these two components in the Residence Bill of Rights. And a few more. It's the right to exercise freedom of speech and communicate freely. The right to participate in the creation and review of one's individualized care plan. And the right to be fully informed in any events or changes to their care plan. Once again, um, these correlate with the, the field of social work because our clients, you know, they are they are also supposed to be included in their treatment plans. And if there are any changes, you know, it's their changes. You know, it's their goals. It's their wants. And we have to definitely, you know, follow their wishes in the best practice possible. So the Residence Bill of Rights is a, a central piece of this act. Um, it gives residents a voice. And lastly, um, the last component of the Bill of Rights for residents is the right to voice grievances without discrimination or reprisal. So say um, they're having issues with their facility, you know, they're able to make complaints without any type of punishment or any type of revenge set for the nursing facility. This solely protects the residents. And I think that this is a, a good start in um, trying to improve the nursing home care setting. So the Residents' Bill of Rights is kind of the the meat or the the key component in the nursing home care reform act um but the question is do these nursing facilities actually adhere to these standards 
Um, I know personally from personal experience, I work in the, the PASAR program. It's state funded and PASAR stands for pre-admission screening and resident review. Uh, we, as a unit, we link with the nearest local mental health authority um, and we kind of assess residents who have suspected mental illness and see if we get them additional help in the nursing home facility. Um, and just doing this for about six months or so, I've seen a lot in, in that time. Um, for one, I've noticed that some facilities, they don't necessarily have an environment which promotes psychosocial or mental well-being. You know, um, when we think of social well-being, we think of a warm, inviting environment. And some of these facilities, they just don't exude that type of aura. Other things that I've happened to notice is just um, the, the layout and design of these facilities, you know, um, in the Nursing Home Reform Act and the Bill of Rights, there is a, a section that I mentioned, which it was the right to social contact and interaction with fellow residents and family members. Um, some facilities, they don't even have a common area where, you know, residents can kind of congregate and get to know each other. Just think, um, we have so many of these individuals, they leave the home they've always known and they go to this new place and it's foreign to them. It's kind of hard to assimilate and, and build relationships with these people if there's not any actual opportunity to actually sit down with them, meet with them and, you know, talk to them. So I've noticed that in a few facilities um, from my time in the PASAR program. Um, and just to feedback into what the PASAR program does besides, you know, assessing them for any type of mental illness, we also like try to get them services. These services um, that we're offering them would be case management, um, cognitive behavior therapy, cognitive processing therapy, psychosocial rehabilitation, and, you know, peer support. So we're offering them, offering them those additional social interactions with individuals, say if they can't, like I said, meet with um, other residents or have the opportunity to. So this gives them a chance to meet with someone regularly um, and actually build a relationship, have someone to talk to other than family members. So the PASAR program is not solely just for mental health in a sense, but also just the well-being of the individual. Um, and this program is state funded, as I'd mentioned. So it's up to the nursing facility to contact us within a certain amount of time, 30 days, and we come out and do our assessment. Um, and so far, most of the people that I've assessed and came out positive from our assessment, they've accepted these services and I've seen tremendous changes in just a month's time. You know, they meet with someone, they, they just have someone to open up to in a sense. Um, and not all facilities are the same. Um, some are better than others in regards to funding and resources. So of course there are instances where it's a better environment, better decor and things like that, but nursing homes are obligated to try and get these needs met and accommodate for these people. So um, I do like that the PASAR program has that initial step in trying to, you know, make these contacts happen and have these people have someone to talk to.
considering the nursing home setting um, as of right now, you know, you have to think of so many changes that have happened in just the last few months. For one, um, it's kind of a scary topic, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, just think of how nursing facilities have had to adhere to um, state guidelines and how it um, has conflicted with actual um, nursing home standard guidelines. Now, the COVID-19 pandemic is something that has taken the entire world by storm. You know, you think of businesses flopping, um, the economy going down, and just so many people without jobs. Um, Just consider how um, this affects, you know, people in settings like the nursing home system. Um, For one, like I mentioned, you know, they have to adhere to these state standards now, you know, not allowing visitors and limiting so much social contact with individuals and, you know, only having a central people in that facility, just imagine how it's hurting these residents. Um, I think this is something that needs to be discussed um, just in regard for um, just future practice in social work. Um, This pandemic is, um, it's new to me, but it's not new to history in a sense you know we've had pandemics before but um just with um how we've just kind of grown with like technology and you know as being social beings I think it's something to consider in regard for the future what if the next pandemic is worse you know what are some things that we can set in place to make it better for this population um I know currently as of right now um I'm I myself in the PASAR program, you know, we're not allowed to even go into the facilities um, and complete our assessments. The actual state program is shut down. So we're not even able to offer these services to these residents anymore. And just consider the actual residents who were receiving the services. They're not, you know, it's not, the facility aren't allowing visitors right now. So they don't get to see the, the person they've built rapport with over the past four, five, six months. So that has definitely have to take a toll on them. Um, and then going back to the the residents' bill of rights, you know, they have to adhere and you know make sure that these individuals are able to see their family members, um, their friends. That's definitely got to take a toll on them, and it's a direct conflict with um, the resident bill of rights currently. Um, and um, I think that discussing this will definitely um, have some kind of insight as to what we can do in the future to, you know, not not let these people suffer currently. Um, I recently uh, went to a facility where they said, you know, this is, you know, word for word. um, We're not allowing visitors at this time, but please consider alternative methods of communication such as FaceTime or Skype. Now, let's be honest. um, I don't know many 70, 80, 90 year olds who know how to use FaceTime or Skype. So that's a definite conflict right there, you know, um, these people are immediately, you know, cut off from their families, you know, of course, you know, they might have a, a phone in their room and they can talk to them that way, but just like being, being able to physically see them, um, I think that that's something that they're, they're missing, um, so in regards to future practices of social work, maybe finding a way to introduce technology to these residents or even have, like, things such as maybe, um, 
uh, designated area where they can engage in this type of communication will be um, beneficial. Um, I myself have the idea of maybe um, having um, staff on hand provide them with, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the, the Facebook portal, but it's like a, a virtual video thing um, where they're able to see their family members. And it, and it seems pretty simplistic to use, but you'd have that staff to assist and, you know, link them with their family members. I think that would be beneficial and just think about it in regards to future practice. Um, another thing that kind of occurred to me was um, the limited staff currently um, to take care of the patient's needs. Um, you know, the residential rights states that this was have the utmost care in these facilities. But, you know, now with this pandemic, there's only essential staff available in the building. So just to think um, there are probably limited CNAs, limited nurses there. And um, probably telemedicine with the doctors now. Um, so are they really getting the, the best health care possible, possible currently with this pandemic? Um, those are some things to kind of think about um, in regards to like the inadequacy right now with this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, for one, um, you know, CNAs, I think, have the most um, direct contact with the the patients as they kind of see most of the needs, um, such as like ADLs and, you know, moving them and taking them to the dining hall and things like that. Um, if there's limited, you know, staff around, just think they probably don't see them on a regular basis. That might get um, be detri detrimental to their psychosocial well-being as well. Um, so they, like I said, these are factors to consider with this pandemic going on right now. Um, I'm actually going to have a guest come on. Um, she has worked in the nursing home care setting as a, a CNA herself. And she's, you know, seen these, you know, deficits and just now being an essential worker, she's just seen a direct, how it directly affects these residents. And she's going to talk about her experiences coming up. All right, guys. So that special guest that I have with me right now is um, Adriana Brown. As I mentioned before, she's um certified nursing assistant, um, CNA and she has worked directly with the elder population for quite some time over a year and she's going to kind of discuss her experiences working in the nursing home care setting and just how it's been affecting you know the the health profession in this um in this dark time right now all right guys i have adriana with me um as i mentioned before she's um, been a cna in the nursing home setting for over a year and she's just going to talk about some of her experiences and some things she's witnessed since being in this field. So, Adriana, um, being an essential worker in the nursing home setting, what are some things that you've um, witnessed? Um, if anything, the question that should be asked is what haven't I witnessed? I've seen things take a complete 180 because of COVID-19, how normal life has came to a complete halt, and now we have to take everything into consideration. My regular 8 to 16 hour shift is now mentally taxing and is in addition to already being phys physically exhausted. Um, my residents only social interaction are now my, myself and other caregivers and possibly a phone conversation if they even have that. Mm. Knowing the elderly population, they aren't tech savvy, let alone have access to many of these options. Right. So myself, I know that's taking a large toll on them. 
Okay. Um, so, do you think that there are a lot of deficits in the nursing home setting? Um, indeed. I think one of the most major deficits, and it might sound weird that, I, that I've noticed in my experience, is definitely um, just care in general. Like, there are so many residents assigned to a CNA, and you have this allotted time frame to make sure that the care is taken care of. So, um, when I say that, I mean bathing, feeding, eating, medicine, and you have eight hours to get all these up to 60 people taken care of, and people don't understand that. They're like, why haven't this have, Why hasn't this been taken care of or this taken care of? I'm one person going over all this building trying to help all these people, and there's only so much you can do within that time frame right and and is your facility like one of the bigger ones or is like medium size like roughly about how many residents um roughly the capacity we have is up to 75 residents but i think we go over that because there are couples Mm -hmm. um okay but another deficit i would like to mention is um just activities to keep them occupied um at the particular at the particular facility i was employed at uh daily activities were honestly a joke um just the atmosphere alone it was uninviting and they allowed a weekly walmart trip but i noticed it was only those for those who were mobile and um other than a senior exercise once a week puzzles or books were the only other activities that were offered yeah you know and that just goes back to what i was saying in that resident bill of rights you know emotional well-being um just from what she's stated, it doesn't seem like um, this facility in particular is um, taking that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you think um, the COVID nineteen pandemic has um, impacted the community, like just from like a general health professional standpoint? Um, COVID nineteen has definitely not only impacted this community in general, but the entire world. This pandemic mm-hmm. has put our world on pause and cause us to reevaluate everyday life. I mean, after this is all over, there will be so many major changes in all aspects of life, and we're just going to have to basically restart on a new, on a new leaf. Um, what changes do you think um, will be, like, made, like, just for future practice? Definitely, even though I feel like eventually we'll, we'll make a, a vaccine for it, we're still going to have to practice social distancing. There's not going to be many especially like bigger places, you know, concerts, um, movie theaters, Mm -hmm. going out to eat. We're all going to be, it's not going to be as many people around and you're going to have to limit who you're around and how you interact with that person. And just things like pumping gas, you have to think about, oh, who touched this before me and what's Mm -hmm. on my hands now? And then you go and touch the door and you get in the car, you touch your phone, then you're on your steering wheel and all that now is contaminated. But now before you didn't think about that, but now you have to. And it's crazy, you know, just to think, like, something like this has made us, like, consciously think about, like, all these germs that are around. And I think just from, like, a social work standpoint, I think telehealth is kind of probably going to be, like, more um, prominent as opposed to, like, face-to-face interaction just because of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I definitely appreciate your insight and joining me on this podcast. Um, Once again, like I said, Adriana has been a CNA in this feel for over a year so she has definitely seen some things and i appreciate you joining me no problem thank you all righty so we just had adriana come in and speak and kind of discuss her experiences in the nursing 
home care setting and in and how um, it's affected this population during the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Um, I think that nursing home care um, has definitely made some strides throughout the years, but there is just so much more that could be done to improve this and, you know, make sure that these residents are getting the best care possible and, you know, adhering to that residents' bill of rights. Um, and definitely, you know, with this pandemic going on, I'm going to, I'm going to predict um, in the future, we're going to see a lot of um, technological um, transitions and adaptations in these facilities. So, you know, um, they can speak to their family, you know, who knows, you know, COVID might, COVID-19 might be here for the next six months or the next six years. But um, I think that, you know, raising awareness on how like these individuals are Kind of suffering during this time will definitely bring pull some insight and future practice so we can you know help them the best way that we can once again my name is hetty hill i am a social work student at tarleton state university and i appreciate your listening thank you i'll see you next time